In the previous episode, there are many ways for you to monitor how a food is affecting function. First of all, there are symptoms. When I eat this food, I get this symptom. I feel more tired, etc. Then there's home testing. You can help them to test their blood sugar before and after meals. You can have them test their ketones and look at blood pressure and pulse. There's also their functions. How well are they sleeping? How stressed are they? How's their digestion working? And finally, there's a variety of functional lab tests that you can do to see how their food is affecting them. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, a podcast for health and wellness practitioners passionately committed to transforming our current broken disease-focused system. Your host, Dr. Rita Marie Los Calzo, is devoted to helping you get results with complex health challenges like autoimmune, hormonal imbalances, and chronic health challenges caused by nutritional and lifestyle-induced imbalances. Here's your host, Dr. Rita Marie. In today's episode of Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for health and wellness practitioners who are passionate about making a difference, I'll be exploring the effects of food on metabolic healing. If you're a health practitioner who really wants to help people to get well, not to just cover up symptoms, not to just apply protocols, whether nutritional or pharmaceutical, we are doing a live event that's just right for you. It's called Functional Nutrigenomics in Clinical Practice. And it's all about how you can learn the genetic testing you can do with people to help you to personalize their diet and lifestyle plans. And when you put that together with your typical really great functional history and lab testing, you're gonna have all you need. So join us for an online virtual event that you can attend from anywhere. It's June 2nd to 4th. 2023. And you can get there by going to nesliveconference.com. That's nesliveconference.com. And we'll also put the link on the show notes page. In our first series of the podcast, we explored the effects of not eating on metabolic health when we talked about the benefits of fasting and intermittent fasting. Now, let's look at how you can use food to support reversing insulin resistance and diabetes, to balance blood sugar by healing insulin receptors, and to return your client to metabolic wellness, which you might recall eludes all but about 12% of the population. Because most people have trouble quitting sugar cold turkey, I like to start the process of resetting metabolism with food by focusing on increasing insulin sensitivity using a few very important nutrients. Of course, you can use supplements with your clients if you prefer, and you can first work with improving these nutrients using food. This is about functional food, right? The three nutrients I use the most, the ones with the most clinical evidence for restoring insulin sensitivity, are chromium, magnesium, and DHA, docosahexaenoic acid. Chromium is important in blood sugar metabolism because it helps to escort insulin attached to sugar across the cell membranes. The amount studied for insulin support is around 800 micrograms. If people are willing, it might work best in divided doses, 200 micrograms per meal, and then one at bedtime. The one at bedtime helps them to maintain their blood sugar levels overnight. Chromium 
promotes binding of insulin to the cells. So it's really important. It gets stored in the liver between meals and it's released whenever insulin gets secreted. Excess insulin promotes the excretion of chromium, leading to a deficiency of chromium. Then it prompts you to produce more insulin. So it becomes this vicious cycle. While chromium isn't all that abundant in most of the foods we humans eat, the highest food sources generally have less than two micrograms per typical serving size, an exception being nutritional yeast, which contains about nine micrograms per tablespoon. This pales in comparison to the chromium content of certain herbs, most notably hibiscus with a whopping 5.4 milligrams per 100 grams or about 150 micrograms per teaspoon. The recommended intake for restoring insulin sensitivity being between 400 and 800, depending on the person's size and severity of insulin resistance, hibiscus looks like a pretty good choice. Other great sources of chromium, ranked in order from high to low, are oat straw, nettle leaf, lemongrass, dulse, yarrow, and horsetail, which contains about half as much as hibiscus. You can easily recommend tea blends to be taken several times a day. About one teaspoon per cup of water is normal, but you can increase that to up to a tablespoon for eight ounces of tea or just have your person drink more tea. Well, who drinks eight ounces of tea anyway? In the warmer months, you can invite them to keep a big pitcher of hibiscus tea in the refrigerator. Add nettle leaf for extra nutrients and lemongrass for flavor and nutrients, and you have a truly functional and, I might say, delicious beverage. Experiment by having your clients measure blood sugar before starting chromium-rich herbs, and compare before and after meal blood glucose readings. That will help you to titrate the doses. And you can always add a chromium supplement if they need more. Another important nutrient for insulin receptors is magnesium. The usual recommended dose for metabolic disorders is in the range of 400 to 800 milligrams per day. Insulin acts as a diuretic and thus causes a loss of magnesium in the urine whenever the insulin levels are high, which, guess what, happens a lot for the metabolically unwell. Magnesium is essential for the cells to be able to pick up the insulin. When there's too much insulin, which of course is common in insulin resistance, combined with insulin resistance, what happens is as a result of the excess insulin, the insulin can't effectively enter the cells and the diuretic effect causes magnesium to be excreted in the urine. Low magnesium then further exacerbates the insulin resistance. Yet another vicious cycle. You can usually help people break the vicious cycle by adding 400 to 800 milligrams per day of magnesium, but some people might need more. Magnesium-rich foods are abundant in the plant kingdom. If you can get your clients to drink greens and eat sprouts daily, likely get enough from food, unless they have a genetic SNP that decreases magnesium absorption or they have digestion and absorption issues. Some foods that are rich in magnesium include pumpkin seeds with about 150 milligrams per ounce, chia seeds containing a little over 100 milligrams per ounce, almond and cashews with about 80 milligrams per ounce, and avocado, which contains about 55 milligrams per medium avocado. 
There are greens like spinach, kale, collards, turnip greens, and mustard greens that contain about 150 milligrams per cup, give or take, depending on the variety. That's when they're cooked. So if you suggest that people eat large quantity of greens in soups and stir fries and even steamed or blended and juiced, this can go a long way towards meeting magnesium needs. Some nutritive herbs, again, we're talking functional foods, right? Some nutritive herbs that are rich in magnesium include Irish moss, which has about 650 milligrams per ounce, oat straw, which has about 40 milligrams per teaspoon, plus kelp and nettle leaf, peppermint, dulse, burdock, marshmallow, horsetail, and even thyme. Herbs like nettle leaf, kelp, and horsetail are extremely nutrient-rich, and others have significant value as a therapeutic agent, like thyme as an antiviral, or marshmallow as a mucous membrane healer, burdock for liver support. So getting magnesium in these forms is not just helping with insulin resistance, it's actually helping in overall health and wellness. If you're challenged to get people to make diet changes right away, this sometimes happens, I expect it often happens, you can always supplement with magnesium. In our insulin resistance training for health practitioners, I teach people how to do a magnesium load and share that with clients so that you can do this experiment to determine what their optimal dose is. Lastly, but certainly not least in the lineup of these insulin receptor healing powerhouse nutrients is DHA, docosahexaenoic acid, an important omega-3 fatty acid. DHA is super important for membrane health. When it's low, the cell membranes can accept the signal of insulin, and that creates insulin resistance. Main food sources of DHA include algae and the fish that eat the algae. Another is purslane, a wild green weed that can be added to salads. Tastes good, too. While the body can convert the short-chain omega-3 fats from things like chia and hemp and flax and walnuts into DHA, the pathway that converts it is controlled by an enzyme called delta-60 saturase, and that relies on B vitamins and a few minerals as cofactors. Unfortunately, people eating a processed food diet are woefully deficient in these nutrients and therefore only convert a very small percentage of the short-chain omega-3s in these foods, the flax, the chia, the hemp, into DHA. These people ideally need to clean up their diets, right? But they may do best to supplement until they accomplish this. A little hint here. I've always had people take coconut with their omega-3 fats because there were a few studies that said that coconut will actually increase the conversion of the short-chain omega-3s into DHA and DPA by tenfold. It seems that mystyric acid, one of the fatty acids in coconut, has the most effect on the conversion, but lauric acid is also involved. A lot of people who change their diets and replace dairy with nut milks may inadvertently create an omega-3 and omega-6 imbalance because the nuts most commonly used for nut milk, like almonds, are high in omega-6 fats. Imbalances in the omega-6 to 3 ratio can lead to inflammation, which damages insulin receptors and leads to metabolic disorders and a whole host of other health issues, by the way. Almost everyone in the Western world has imbalanced omega-6 to 3. 
And this is something you need to evaluate in all your clients and patients. It's really common because of the foods most people eat. They're excessive in polyunsaturated fats, processed fats, omega-6, and they're insufficient in omega-3. When you download my functional food guide, you'll get a chart that will help you evaluate omega-3 to 6. So go to reinventhealthcare.com forward slash food to download it now. When you pay attention to these three main nutrients right from the start of working with clients and patients, it helps to reduce their cravings so they can follow the other food recommendations for improving insulin sensitivity and metabolic health. If you start by focusing on these nutrients, by the time you tell them what to avoid, they may no longer be experiencing the intense sugar cravings that accompany metabolic disorders, and they can follow through on avoiding the foods that created the imbalance in the first place. I hear people in our Sweet Spot Solution Program for Restoring Insulin Sensitivity say that it's so nice not to have the sugar cravings anymore. Those sugar cravings, by the way, tend to be the strongest after eating, especially after dinner. A few other nutrients that lead to insulin resistance when deficient are zinc, B vitamins, boron, lithium, and protein. Most people see improvements when you get them balanced in chromium, magnesium, and DHA, but there are some for whom you'll need to look further and add some of the herbs we'll discuss shortly. By the way, protein insufficiency generally doesn't occur because people are not eating enough protein. It happens because they're not absorbing enough protein due to issues with digestion, most notably low stomach acid. It's important that you stress with clients that the quantity of protein in the diet doesn't matter as much as how much is digested and absorbed. So let's shift for a moment to look at foods that disrupt metabolic function and lead to insulin resistance and metabolic disorders. One of the most damaging conditions is when trans fats become part of the cell membrane. So many people are eating trans fats and some of them don't even know it. There are the obvious things like margarine, mayonnaise, Crisco, and partially hydrogenated soybean oil, but there are more. What most people don't realize, and you need to teach them, is that there are also trans fats created in fat-containing foods whenever they're heated. Things like safflower, sunflower, and corn oil, when used to saute or bake foods, become oxidized and then convert to trans fats. In my work with patients and clients over the past three decades, Early in the coaching process, I guide them through what I call the give your body an oil change process. And I recommend you do this too. Major improvements are seen when proper fat balance is achieved. Another disruptor of metabolic processes is pesticide use. Dr. Gabriel Cousins says in his book, There is a Cure for Diabetes, pesticides may damage insulin receptors. This is a key reason to recommend people eat organic as much as possible. From a functional perspective, it's important to employ the Goldilocks principle when it comes to carbohydrates. Not too little, not too much, just right. And this amount may vary from person to person. And the way you determine the Goldilocks amount for each is to get them to start testing their blood sugar. 
Truth be known, even though I'm careful with carbs, due to my own genetics and previous exposures, I'm not a low-carb advocate. I'm a perfect amount of carb advocate. It's important to determine the right amount for each person. I've seen some people eat eight bananas and only have their blood sugar go up a little bit to 98. That person doesn't really need to avoid all carbs, whereas somebody else who eats half a grapefruit and their sugar goes up to 185 needs to be more careful. Of course, everybody needs to avoid the processed carbs, the sugars, the white flours, even breads and pastas are problematic for people with metabolic imbalances. What I find most useful is to support people through a 30-day insulin receptor reset, which is what I teach in my Sweet Spot and Insulin Resistance for Health Practitioners programs. Throughout the 30 days, people are instructed to only eat foods that keep their blood sugar at 110 or below after meals. This gives their insulin receptors a chance to rest and allows them to heal. We see amazing changes within two to three and certainly four weeks. Obviously, there are special instructions for those who are already diabetic, and I teach that to all my participants. There are lots and lots of foods and herbs that aid in insulin sensitivity. I've included a comprehensive chart for you in the functional food guide you can download at www.reinventhealthcare.com forward slash food. Some of the most valuable functional foods for restoring metabolic health are those that people can and should enjoy daily. Things like green leafy vegetables and sea vegetables. They contain an abundance of minerals, vitamins, antioxidants, and omega-3 fats. The omega-3 fats are especially in the algaes. Pumpkin seeds are a good source of zinc, which is important for stomach acid and digestive enzyme production, which supports metabolic health. Check out the Functional Food Guide for a list of herbs and spices that are good sources of zinc. Vitamin B complex is really critical for maintaining and restoring insulin sensitivity and metabolic health because of a history of prior processed foods. Everybody needs more B vitamins when they've been eating processed foods. The levels get depleted and their needs get increased. They're also super important in the production of EPA and DHA from dietary omega-3 fats. Remember our friend, Delta-60 saturase, requires B vitamins and more. B vitamins are also needed for proper mitochondrial function. Optimal mitochondrial function is required for energy production, both overall, like the energy to do all the things people love to do, and at the cellular level which is important for organ and gland function. Good sources of B-complex are sea vegetables and greens, as well as certain herbs like gota-cola, peppermint, acerola cherry, burdock sage, yellow dock, spirulina, parsley hops, red raspberry leaves, slippery elm, chamomile, and alfalfa. That's a long list of herbs. And when you consult the functional food guide that I've given you at reinventhealthcare.com forward slash food, it has all the details and relative amounts. The guide also contains detail about the following foods that support insulin receptor repair, along with some of the mechanisms by which they work. I'll give you a little overview here. Some of my favorite foods for metabolic healing are broccoli, avocado, alfalfa, and blueberries. 
Blueberries have a chemical in them that can improve insulin resistance, but you need to be careful when people are already extremely insulin resistant because they may be sensitive to even the sugar that's in the fruit. That's why it's important to teach people the test rather than simply give them a good list, bad list. Citrus peel extract can be useful either as a zest when you're zesting that into a salad or dressing or whatever, or you can use citrus essential oils. Turmeric and stevia can actually improve insulin resistance, and I recommend people add them to their foods. Stevia is a little controversial. Some say that it raises insulin levels, but I haven't found that to be a problem. Cinnamon in the dose of a tablespoon a day as a tea or mixed with pudding on top of chia porridge can be super helpful, especially in conjunction with cardamom and ginger. Good old chai, (laughs) that's a combination of those, which is delicious and also a functional food for metabolic health. Jerusalem artichoke contains inulin that helps to maintain blood sugar level, and cabbage has a chemical called beta-olicerae, an antioxidant that helps to increase insulin sensitivity. So these are day-to-day, everyday foods that you can teach people how to add to their salads and add to their stir fries and soups, etc. Cucumber has a substance needed by the beta cells in the pancreas to produce insulin. Garlic and onion contain sulfur that can be helpful, especially in support of liver detoxification pathways. Some people are sensitive to sulfur and can't metabolize it properly, so you need to be able to identify that and be aware. Carob contains a substance called pinitol that has been shown to improve insulin sensitivity. Fenugreek lowers insulin and triglycerides and increases HDL. It's especially good for people who have progressed into full-blown metabolic syndrome where lipids and blood sugars get high. Love maitake mushroom. It helps improve sensitivity and it lowers sugar, insulin, and triglycerides. You can recommend it as a powdered extract that you add to things, as a powder, as a tincture, or as whole fresh or dried mushroom in variety of dishes. One of my favorites is maitake in a soup. I get the dried maitake and pour hot water over it and simmer it for a little bit. And I combine it with arame sea vegetable, ginger, and turmeric. Yummy and a super powerful functional food. Cacao has mixed studies. Some people do really well with it and it can help bring glucose down. And for others, maybe because of the caffeine, it doesn't work well. Testing blood sugar, good old testing, is the best way to know. Bitter melon lowers both insulin and triglycerides. Not a common food here in the States, but it's available at a lot of Asian markets. Basil, very common here, improves insulin sensitivity at a cellular level. Ginger decreases inflammation, and that increases insulin sensitivity. When we have inflammation on a cellular level, the insulin receptors don't work real well. Some less common functional foods to restore insulin are prickly pear and nopal cactus. Some of these are often served in in restaurants. I've seen these on the menus in places like Arizona or the Southwest. Nopal cactus seems to slow the absorption of sugar through the intestinal wall. And just to be complete, I want to talk about a few herbs that are not usually used as food, but have a positive impact on insulin sensitivity. 
I recommend you study these before recommending. Make sure they're suited for the person you're working with. Gymnema sylvestre is touted as an excellent herb for lowering blood sugar by slowing down the absorption of glucose. The problem may result is it possibly can increase insulin production, and that's not desirable for those with insulin resistance because their insulin is already too high. It's possible that the insulin-resistant improving capabilities override the downside of increasing insulin, but you need to be careful with people who have insulin resistance and test, test, test. It could be good though for people with type 1 diabetes because it will help lower the glucose and increase the insulin levels, and that's a desired outcome. Ginseng decreases blood sugar, and it's theorized that it does so by slowing down the intestinal absorption of glucose. It's also an excellent adaptogen, and for many people, it can mitigate the negative effects of stress on metabolic health. You know that when we get stressed out and produce cortisol, it causes a rise in blood sugar. I call that the candy bar eating effect of stress. When you get familiar with these functional foods and you help people to use them regularly and monitor their postprandial glucose in a very specific way, the way we teach practitioners in the Insulin Resistance Health Practitioners Program, you're on the path to helping people to become metabolically well. And who doesn't want that? Remember from our first talk, 88% of the population has been found to be metabolically unwell. We've just scratched the surface of functional foods for metabolic health. Be sure to download the Functional Food Guide for helpful resources related to using food to improve function. It's at www.reinventhealthcare.com forward slash food. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Our job as functional health practitioners is to match the food with the person and achieve a state of balance where food is used to optimize function and the need for medicine is eliminated. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Reinvent Healthcare. I invite you to take action to support your clients using food to support metabolic health. If you have questions, visit reinventhealthcare.com and click on the ask a question in the top navigation. We devote an entire show every month or two to answering your questions on the air. So here are your action steps. Are you ready? Start by suggesting foods and herbs high in the top three nutrients for improving insulin sensitivity. Chromium, magnesium, and DHA. Supplement if needed, then support them in balancing their carbohydrate intake based on their blood sugar readings. I strive to keep postprandial after meal glucose no higher than 110. Remember that what they eat is important, as is when they eat, and incorporate intermittent fasting principles discussed in past episodes as they apply. There are certain people who don't do well with fasting. The more you master the art of using functional food principles to balance hormones and body functions, the greater your success with clients. This will lead to a thriving and fulfilling practice where you feel great at the end of the day because you're changing lives for the better. And remember to download the functional food guide to access all the charts I've been talking about and more. 
Go to reinventhealthcare.com forward slash food. And until next time, shine on. Thank you for listening to the Reinvent Healthcare podcast. Join the movement of practitioners that are guiding people to actually get well rather than covering up their symptoms. Connect with us at reinventhealthcare.com to access resources and tools that will empower you to create a thriving health practice.